1: start this episode of dreamers of the day podcast by introducing mj i met her uh just through a uh, mutual connection through verge currency uh she's working on a project that i feel like is pretty exciting if you want to introduce yourself uh mj for for the listeners and then tell them about uh your your project
0: Yeah, for sure, thanks so much for having me. Uh, My name's MJ, uh, short for Mary Jane. Um, I'm the founder of an NFT web three project called Stoned Ape Club um, or STAC is our uh, shortened uh, acronym. Uh, my background really is in real estate. It's in investing in syndications, and even particularly uh, more recently in uh, cannabis commercial cannabis development. And so, uh, working in the cannabis space and working in the in the real estate space has brought a lot of opportunity, a lot of connections. And uh, the last couple of years, I've worked a lot with um, cannabis developers, whether it's developing raw land or um, working alongside of cities. Um, Uh, with, uh, you know, legalization, helping cities, you know, consider new ordinances that will overturn, you know, um, cannabis, you know, laws that that's making it, you know, illegal still, And, and it varies city by city, you know, the way that, Um, we have it set up here in the United States is you, you know, you have your federal laws, but then you have your laws by state and then even down to the county and city level. um, I mean, you can literally go across the street, be in a different city and it's a completely different law pertaining to cannabis legislation. So, um, you know, we've, we've worked alongside of cities, helping them think about, you know, their ordinances, their structure, their tax structure, um, what are the implications, you know, where they should allow it and not allow it in terms of both retail and cultivation. Um, and we do that, you know, alongside of a lot of our commercial uh, commercial and land development uh, clients as well. Um, So I, uh, you know, I was super fortunate, um, my entry and, and kind of, uh, introduction to real estate, um, really was from my own personal experience. You know, I was, uh, 25 years old, my landlord, you know, had rent signed a one-year contract with me. And, um, then decided that they didn't want to rent at all in general anymore. And so wanted to rent like the whole house instead of just like the the mother-in-law suite, I guess is the guest house is where I lived. Um, and wanted to rent the whole house out to a different family. So asked me to leave. Um, I was already pretty familiar with real estate. I had been working as an assistant at that time to a real estate agent. So I was familiar with contracts and, and, and understanding what was in my contract. And so I told them and I said, Hey, you know, if you want me to leave, like you're obligated to pay me to leave at this point, you know, because we have a one-year contract. I've only lived here for like six, seven months. And so, um, I think I was paying like $1,100 a month or so. This was like seven, eight years ago. And, uh, and, uh, no, six years ago. And, uh, she, um, they agreed and they're like, okay, well, here's your, you know, $5,500, go ahead and leave. I moved in with my aunt at the time for a month or so and you know she talked to me and she was like you know you should you know you're you're 25 you're you're grown up you have you know a full-time job you have you know at the time I was um, in grad school getting my master's in business so she's like you're you know in school like you need to stop thinking about renting you need to start building your financial freedom now like you're not a kid anymore. And I said, okay, so how do I do that? And she's like, well, how much do you have in savings? I was like, maybe five grand. She's like, okay, so you have 10,000, cool. Um, And uh, I explored other options, found out that, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but when you have a 401k with a company, and at the time I was about five years vested uh, with a fortune 10 tech company I was working for at the time, um, I was vested, fully vested in my 401k and I found out that instead of withdrawing from your retirement, you can actually borrow it. So you can take a loan out from yourself through your 401k through whatever broker they're with, right? Mine was through Fidelity. So you could borrow a certain amount, choose what your payment plan is like over 10 years, 15 years, eight years, whatever. It'll give you the estimate of like what the amount is per month um, that they'll take out of your paycheck, and you pay interest back to yourself. So like unlike a bank where you take a loan and you're paying interest to the banker, you're taking a loan from yourself. So you're the banker. So you're paying that six, seven, eight percent back to yourself. I didn't know this, so I did a bunch of research, figured that part out, borrowed another fifteen thousand, so I had twenty five thousand dollars. Um, bought like this rinky-dinky little one-bedroom condo, you know that was like you know super super cheap, very affordable, um, and bought it for two hundred fifty thousand, and lived there. You know, paid my mortgage it was like eighteen hundred bucks, which is basically the same as like renting a, a one-bedroom apartment in LA. Um, paid my monthly mortgage every single month. You know, two years later, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to you know see how much, you know, the home is worth, maybe look at getting a two bedroom apartment, you know? Um, at that point I was a licensed real estate agent. I had graduated two years later, uh, from an assistant into license, but still hadn't really, you know, had only made like one or two sales. And, um, I went ahead, I sold the property and my $25,000 investment, initial investment, um, became a net profit of $82,000 Wow! and yeah. And I was like, wait, so on top of that, right. My initial 25,000. So my total gross all in was like over hundred K and I was like, wait a minute. And I was like 26 years old, 27 years old. I was like, how has nobody taught us this? <laughs> like how, like all I did was pay my mortgage, which was the same as rent. Right how, you know, everyone talks about having to save 20% down. No, I put 5% down, right? They say you need to have a perfect credit score. I didn't, I had a seven fifteen. It wasn't an 800 credit score. They say you have to be, you know, like all of these like myths. And that was kind of a really big turning point for me in my, in my real estate journey and investing journey, because I felt like for me being a first generation American, first generation in my family to go to college, not only obtain a bachelor's, but also a master's in business. I dumped all this money in tuition and I was never taught, like no one taught me that I could borrow from my 401k. No one taught me about um, equity, right? Gaining equity in real estate. No one taught me about compounding investment, investing strategies. Like I, I was flabbergasted. And so that really brought me then to like my entire real estate journey. I took that hundred K. I bought a, a four bedroom house, right. Use that as a 10% down payment, bought a house, sold it nine months later um, for a hundred thousand more than what I bought it for. So now I've I've grossed 200,000 in, in about two years, right. Killing it. Yeah. Right. And then I took that 200, it was like 220 was my total rollout. I took that 220, bought two, bought three more properties. And since then we sold two of them. One of them, we made another uh, we bought it for 460, sold it for 565, uh, wow. bought it for 440, sold it for 565, right? That's another 120 gross profit. Another one we sold and we actually flipped it. We originally rent it. We flipped it, made 75 out of that. And we've, you know, in the last, what, four or five years we've acquired, we've had a portfolio of about seven or eight properties since then in the last year have divested down to three. And now, you know, we own the home we live in and we own two investment properties like rentals, you know, and, and in this entire last, you know, three or four years, I've been working, um, not only with residential homeowners, like teaching people, like how to do this, like, how do you compound wealth, right? Mm -hmm. How do you leverage, how do you use the financial system to your benefit? Everyone thinks cash is king. Cash is only king if you're a king who knows how to use the cash, right? Mm. A lot of people think like, oh, putting all of it in, you know, is what's smart. Actually, leverage is using the highest amount of financing possible because your capital could get you five of those properties versus only one. Mm. And um, we taught a lot of this to people our age, um, but we've worked with a lot of clients who... Right. Maybe we're international, didn't have social security numbers, people who weren't taught this at an early age to understand building of credit. Right. There were all of these like obstacles for people to become homeowners besides having cash, Um, whether it's not having credit or not having good credit, whether it's not, you know, having the financial um, income to even be approved for a loan. Right and and the entire loan process. Some people are entrepreneurs and they aren't W two employees. Right? How do artists buy homes? How do um, personal trainers buy homes? Right? They're not W two employees. How do day traders, cryptocurrency, you know, um, Mm -hmm. enthusiasts, how do they uh, like uh, um, get approved for a loan? Right? And so there were all of these obstacles. And when I kind of took a step back, I felt like this is a significantly like. I wouldn't use the word discriminatory, but I would use the word that it's outdated, right? Mm. Acquiring property and investment as, as a individual is very, very outdated. It's a very outdated system. It's not equitable. It's not diverse, right? It's not inclusive. And so um, one of our clients was a very successful NFT crypto. I mean, he has over half a million dollars of assets in crypto, launched multiple projects very successfully, very smart guy. Um, they happen to be one of our, not only our, our uh, clients, but one of um, the folks that we, we syndicate with. And so um, we were helping a couple clients um, flip some land where, you know, you can lock up land and buy some land when the city approves cannabis, the land value then is worth like 10 X, right? Like 10 X is a lot. It's worth like two X at minimum. So like, for example, we locked a 30 acre property. We bought it for about 1.65 for with this client sold it for 2.75. Once it became, once it became green zoned. Right. And it was legally, you can legally grow cannabis there. Um, And we did this in a couple of different, you know, multiple cities here in Southern California. And, and although we made a really great consulting fee, right, these individuals who had all this capital, who had the backing, were making millions of dollars, right? And we kind of had this idea where we approached, you know, the co-founder of the Snow Club, which is myself and Faded, Denny. And I said, Denny, like, do you and your wife want to go in 50 and 50 with my husband and I like, right? Like we both have, we could split like a million dollars between the two of us each come in with half a mil and we could flip this thing and make a million dollar profit and split that. And I was explaining to him how it would work. And this was like last August, you know, right before the big, big wave, uh, you know, right after like BAYC and, Mm -hmm. and, and all of the big, you know, um, Crypto Canada Club, um, um, all of the big projects like sold out, were super hyped. And he goes, MJ, why don't we make this into an NFT project? I was like, what's an NFT? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, okay, well, what is that? And he's like, oh, 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 it's this. And he like showed me BAYC, right? And I was like, I don't get it. And over the course <laughs> of, like, three or four days, lots and lots of, like, learning and training, um, you know, we ended up uh, investing together in a BAYC ourselves, right, and, and really, like, understood the, the economics behind cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. um, the leveraging aspects, the investing aspects, the utility aspects, the community aspects, that we were like, you know, this would be a really cool way for not only people in the United States, but people around the world, right? Um, To be able to, we've created a very um, diverse, inclusive, equitable way for anyone and everyone to be an investor without all the loophole, without having to jump through all the hoops, right? We're not going to check your credit, right? When you buy an NFT, like that's your investment. That's a purchase you're making, right? It's, it's an NFT. There's no credit checks. I'm not going to ask you what your salary is. I'm not going to, you know, um, not all of that goes away, which means the scope of people who can become an investor increases dramatically. Right. Mm-hmm. And so through the project, what we're doing is we're essentially taking what we do in real life every day. Right. Right buying a property, flipping the property. We're taking the proceeds and we wanna essentially make sure that our investors reap the benefits of these investments that we're making. Um, there are a lot of securities issues, right? With, with things like that. Well, mm-hmm. the, the way we, we spent a lot and a lot of money with attorneys um, to find a way around it, which we have, a couple of other projects have as well. Um, and through our tokenization, people are able to collect, you know, in essence, their dividends, right, of being a stakeholder of this business. And so when you mint, um, we we pretty much floated a lot of the costs, right, in the development of the project, because I had looked into a lot of projects where it's like, number one, an undoxed founder, there's nothing wrong with an undoxed founder, I'm not fully doxed myself, right? But like, Mm -hmm. But like, like they wouldn't even show up to talk. They wouldn't, I never heard their voice. I never heard them talk about their project. I didn't hear them explain the fundamentals of how their project is going to work and why it will work. In addition to that, it's like sometimes the math just didn't make sense, right? Like mm-hmm. I was vetting out a project the other day um, that one of the members talked to me about it. Like, they're like, Hey, I think this is a rugged project. Like, what can you, like, can we do something to help the member, the community, right? That bought into this project. Um, we have an awesome community. Everyone's very philanthropic, likes to help others, right? So I'm like, okay, I'll look at it. Um, it's called like Forest of the Apes or something like that. And their entire thing was a 0.07, 0.08 mint price. And they're, they're They want to plant hundred thousand trees. Okay, great. It's a nonprofit type of perspective, philanthropic. I looked at their roadmap and I was like, okay, at 25% roadmap, right? Once 25% is minted, they want to plant 25,000 trees. So I took the 0.08 Ethereum price times 20, you know, 2,500 mints comes out to be about half a million dollars in us dollars, right? It costs a hundred dollars to plant a tree. So if you're trying to plant 25,000 trees, that's $2.5 million. The math doesn't make sense right? And I was like, this is so weird, right? Like there's so much like shady stuff that happens in crypto and in NFT as well. And so we wanted to be able to not only present this project, just like when Elon Musk said he was sending humans into space, people looked at him kind of funny and thought it was a sham, right? Mm Um, We're like, if we present this, people are going to think it's too good to be true. And I can't tell you how many times to this day, people still will be like, "No way, this is real. This is totally a rug pull." I'm like, "Okay, if you're not going to, you know, do any research or learn, then that's you. You know, we've been equal in bringing the opportunity to you. It is up to you to decide whether you want to jump in with us, right? Right. Um, So if you don't, that's okay. And so um, we figured out a way essentially where we. Um, created the website, right? Spent all the money on the website, the art, but we also created this play to earn staking game. So it's passively staking, right? You stake your Ape, it earns Toke. We spent the money on all the tokenization economy. You earn 10,000 Toke per day. So right now you can go, you can mint right away. You can get an instant reveal, you can stake it right away in the game where most projects on the roadmap is like staking to comments, 50% or 75%. Right, yep. We made it available right away and you can start earning to a day and you earn 10,000 tokens per day. And the tokens is the dividends, right? The token is essentially, if you were to look at it as a stock, it's your payout. And so, um, so every day that you're is the stake, you earn 10,000 tokens. Within two weeks of launching the project, we also initiated our liquidity pool, which is what gives the tokens value. So TOPE at any point, TOPE always equals toke. And so um, until liquidity pool is initiated and there's amount of money to hedge against, right, um, then at that point, toque has a value. So initially right out of the floodgates, one TOPE equal 0.001. So if you're gaining 10,000 toke per day, it's about a dollar a day. So within two weeks of launching, of starting Mint, we sold out of presale. We initiated um, liquidity pool. And we're not even, we're like 30% minted. And people are already swapping their tokens for Ethereum. People are already able to to get a return on their investment. Um, Today is, what day is it today? Today's the 16th. Today's actually our two-month mark since Mint. Well, congrats! Yeah. so today it's been officially 60 days yeah and within 60 days there's been thousands of dollars already swapped from toke to ethereum um within wow. 60 days we already have yeah if you look at the Dex Tools link that's in the pin post in our general chat you can look through all the transaction every sell transaction is someone who swapped tope for eth every buy transaction is um someone who has bought toke, um, uh, used ETH to buy toke, right. Which mm. also increases and leverages the, the liquidity pool to a higher value for toke. Um, in 60 days, we already have an entire merch line. And again, the merch line you can only buy with toke, right. Um, we've uh, created a high rollers lounge where if you like to sports bet, you can only bet in toke. We've created an entire community and e- economy that really fundamentally is based on this token um you can use it essentially like cash in our economy right um we've created our own delta 8 gummy right it's a private label the first nft branded um delta 8 you know a cannabis product essentially um only available to holders that you can only buy in tote right and so we've we've really met you know our milestones very efficiently, um, very quickly. Um, we have a property locked in escrow already. We've paid the deposit. We're about to order the appraisal. Um, we finalized the loan. Yeah. Like everything is like on track. Right. And we we purchased in a city that will be legalizing soon, Um, we're looking at about 60 to nine days from now being pretty much all legalized and ready to flip. Right. so, so, it sounds amazing to you know normal uh, in real life you know IRL investors right 3 to 9 like 90 to 120 days is, is really short but mm-hmm. in the nft world that's super long right people want to yeah, see re- like returns so fast and so we made sure to initiate that liquidity pool right off the bat but really our long term investors right the ones who are holding we have We have someone, we have a member who's a B A Y C M A Y C Azuki and um, Quirky's holder who owns, he has 99 um, NFTs in his wallet and he owns 130 in our staking wallet. He minted 130 stoned apes and has all of them staked. Can you imagine how that means, that means with, with 130 apes, he's generating um, 10,000 uh, toke per day for all 130. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's 1. 1.3 million toke per day at a point zero zero one, That's $1,300 wow. a day. If you were to swap actively every day. Right. Yeah. And so, we've really thought through like, you know, both myself and our co-founder, we're very um, entrepreneurial business minded, right? I have 10 years in a tech firm. I've run my, you know, I, I, I am an adjunct professor. I run two uh, firms myself. I own a data company and a real estate brokerage. Um, you know, he uh, was a professional um, in crypto, day trading, has a lot of experience as an entrepreneur in drop shipping, warehousing, um, and and we both syndicate a lot in real estate. And so uh, we really thought through the entire tokenization, you know, of the project, how we keep the community like- you know, the circle going um, down to even the gamification. So like in the game, you know, you, if you mint, you can mint a stoned ape or a fed ape. There's 90% stoned apes and 10% federal apes. And the federal apes, it's obvious they either have SWAT, DEA, FBI, police, right? A police hat. I mean, you can tell if it's a fed ape or not. And, um, the way it works is if you mint a stoned ape and you stake it, you earn that 10,000 a day. But if you mint a federal ape, you have to stake it, but you don't earn any toke daily. The way the federal apes work is when you are a stoned ape and you're a- accruing all of this tope in order to get it into your MetaMask, to be able to use it, to be able to swap it, to be able to buy anything with it. You have to claim the toke out of the game. When you claim it, you're cashing it out. You have two options. You can either directly unstake to try to get everything, but you run a 50-50% chance percent chance of actually losing all of it too. So it's a gamble. It's a risk protocol type of game. Hmm. Or you join the squeaky clean club and you cash it out and you pay 20% in taxes and bribes to the feds. <laughs> so, right? So you can kind of choose and it's just like real life, right? It's just like in real life there's a risk in everything. What do you do? And so if you cash it out, that 20% then gets distributed amongst all of the staked Fed Apes. And the Fed Apes all have a rank, rank one through 10. One is the lowest. So you're, you get the smallest cut of that 20%. 10 is the highest. You get the highest cut of that, of that, um, of that 20% that's being distributed. Now we ask, added another layer of fun which is that um we have five generations so right now we're minting our genesis gen um we have a second generation third fourth and fifth generation but those generations can only be minted by Toke. and same thing when you want to mint the next generation with your Toke, you have to cash it out right and so um and so there's five generations that these feds are going to be getting a cut for, right? And every day as they're earning toque, people are going to be cashing out their toque. So there's always going to be toque being distributed to the fed apes. Now, in the second, third, fourth, and fifth generation, if you have a federal ape, um, even though rank one is the lowest in getting the, um, the uh, Toke distribution, In the second through fifth generation, um, there's a 10% chance that newly minted with toke apes have a 10% chance of actually getting seized by the feds. So imagine this, you go to mint in second gen, it costs you, you know, 50,000 toke to mint one. And right as you're minting, it reveals and it says, oh darn, you have been, you've been caught by the feds, Right. It, it disappears, you don't get it, and it shows up, randomly shows up in another person's wallet who owns a Fed. Mm. So 10% of the next generation moving forward, we will never steal any of your Ethereum minted apes. So first generation, this does not happen to. It's just the second, third, fourth, and fifth, there's a 10% chance. So a 1,000 from each generation will get randomly seized and randomly dropped. And how, how it determines who gets it dropped is based on the Fed rank that they hold. So if you own a one of a, a rank one Fed, it means that you're you're collecting the least amount of toque, but you actually have the highest percentage of seizing. Ah. Yes. And then if you have a rank 10, you may be rolling in the dough right now, but you have the least percentage chance of, if at all, of getting... Um, one of those seized apes in the next four gens air dropped into your, or, uh, seized and dropped into your wallet. So again, it's like, it's a game of, of strategy. It's a game of investment, right? It's a risk, right? It's a, a risk analysis type of game. It also is really like, kind of like what I talked about earlier, right? Like all this education and like, didn't learn any of these things, right? To mm-hmm. learn anything yeah. about investing or, or anything through this project people are learning at a fundamental level how to be an investor even through like the strategy behind do i want a stone date do i want a fed age do, do i want a mint? do i want to sweep on open sea right mm-hmm. what is your strategy the we are teaching very fundamental aspects of diversifying portfolios right like we have people talking about well maybe if i have If I get one low rank, one high rank, and 80% of them are stoned apes, I think I'm going to have a pretty balanced book, right? Like people are thinking about it. Do I, am I just trying to gain toke? Do I sweep for a discount off the floor or do I gamble for a Fed, right? Just like when you're buying stocks or when you're buying a house or when you're investing in a business, all of these things are things that people consider, but these aren't things that you can really teach in a book. And so people are learning these investment mindsets, ideologies, and thought processes by being a stakeholder in this project.
1: I agree. That's amazing. Um, truly, like, it seems to me like that this was, I, I mean, it wasn't, obviously, it couldn't have been, but it seems like this project is something that was Thought out so far in advance, like before the NFT space could have even existed because you're you're already incorporating so many things that um, that are just now being starting to be incorporated. People want utility. You, you brought utility with staking. Now you're already talking about different generations. You have ideas for different generations of the apes. You're thinking way into the future while the present is already so incredible. So that's awesome. And then on top of that, like you said, you're, um, teaching these investment strategies at the same time. Um, and that's, uh, I feel personally, like that's really missing. Like it's easy to say, Oh, I'm going to degen into this project and, and sweep a floor, do whatever. But, um, what you're doing, what, what this game is, um, is to me, I, I haven't seen another project really do it like this. So, that's that's very innovative, and I think that um, this is going to be an incredible, incredible thing. And along the way of uh, of what you've said, you've answered most of the questions that I have written down. So I was like,
0: <laughs> yay! <laughs> <laughs> I was like
1: checking off everything as you are going through it. Um, so yeah, what you guys are doing is incredible, and you deserve a ton of credit um, so far. So it sounds awesome. What I do want to ask. Um, real quick. Um, and I'll preface the question with, um, being as, as you're a woman in the space, I feel like, um, as a, as an outsider, I'm not a woman, obviously I can't understand all the struggles and everything that, that go into, into being a woman in the space and what you had to do to get your education and the hurdles you had to overcome. Uh, how do you feel, um, about, the women in the space? Do you feel that there needs to be more women in this space or do you feel like there needs to be more women uh, of quality in this space uh, in terms of like representation and, and projects?
0: Yeah, really good question. So I've had a lot of these conversations over the course of my career, you know, being in business, I was, you know, a, a minority female being in real estate, Right, minority female being in cannabis, minority female, and now in the NFT space, minority female, and so that's not something new. I think that it's a really good question. Um, I would say three things. I would say number one, as a woman, we are not asking for special treatment when we're saying like, "Hey, we want you know equitable. We want an equitable space, right? We we want um, equal." equal access to opportunities. And I think that's, what's so beautiful about web three is that it exists for everybody and anyone. So I think when we talk about women in web three and in crypto and in NFTs, I really think that we need more women representation. Yes, because I do think that, um, women just like men, right. Um, we offer different perspectives. A man is gonna have a different perspective than a woman and a woman is gonna have a different perspective than a man. And so by having a diversification of individuals in the space, number one, is always going to make the space a better space, right? Because you're constantly fine tuning each other, sharpening each other's tools and each other's toolboxes, right? I would say that my perspective when it comes to diversity is never, we need more women because we need women represented, no, we want the most qualified people to be to be managing and running projects. We want the most qualified creative people to be creating the art. We want the most qualified and creative people to be developing the work, um, the the code and the dev, right? Um, and we want trustworthy people, right? People who aren't like. We created this project called the Aladdin Project in, in Stack. And um, essentially it's to highlight rugs, right? Everyone talks about alpha projects. they wanna highlight up and coming projects that have really high potential. But what about highlighting projects that have rugged and, and, and learning from them, right? What were the red flags? How can we learn from each other? How can we help each other? We even created a fundraising wallet where people are donating tok into this wallet to help people who are coming from rug Projects, minting to join our community, right? Because being part of rug Project isn't even like, it's not even about losing your investment. It's that, it's kind of like a gut punch. You've lost your community. And so we've wanted to rebuild people's faith as investors in the Web3 space, right? And so I think that trustworthiness is really big as well. And so I think that at a very high level, Um, you know, equity is there. Women have to take the leap into Web3 the same way men have taken the leap in. But I would say that as a woman in the Web3 space, I do still experience unconscious bias 100%, which I believe is the reason why a lot of women um, are not entering the space. So equity and opportunity is there. But through the actions of the existing cohort of people in Web3, it's still preventing a lot of women from entering. Like, I'll give you an example. I'll enter a room. I'll ask to speak when I was showing the project, right? And, you know, our PFP, our logo, it's not super feminine or it's black and white. It's a skull smoking a blunt, right? Right. Um, it's, you know, you can't really tell. It's pretty ambiguous. As a woman, you know, saying, hi, you know, hey, everyone, this is MJ's Mary Jane for So Ape Club, you get responses like, oh, my God, it's a woman. Oh, my God, you sound nice. Oh, your voice, you know, like, (laughs) you don't get that as a man, right? Starting to speak, right? Um, And I think things like that, that really are seemingly very harmless, but makes it very uncomfortable. right? For a woman, like, okay, I'm here to talk about my art, or I'm here to talk about my project, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I get it. It's because there are not, there's not a lot of women in the space, right? And so I think, um, as men, and being ambassadors and partners to women and bringing more artists and women into the space, we have to be mindful, right, of things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've also seen rooms, you know, where, I mean, it's sad to talk about it, but men have a way of attracting other investors and other men to their project by using women. I know Mm -hmm. plenty of projects where a project in particular I'm thinking of is a pretty heavy gaming community, right? That's how it started. The entire community started with a bunch of gamers. They're all young, teenage to early 20s, right? Video gamers. Mm -hmm. And... um, and you know, they created this project and I have attended multiple of their spaces and, 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 you know, be, have been in their discord and have noticed that they specifically bring in a couple of women, um, whether they are, I know one, like on her profile, I saw, you know, she has an OnlyFans, right? She's like very, very, very beautiful, knows nothing about the NFT space, mind you, knows mm-hmm. nothing about cryptocurrency, mind you, but When people see two super, super beautiful females, right? Like PFPs as both as Mm -hmm. co-hosts and your general demographic, there's not a lot of women in gaming, although I know a few that are super legit and super awesome. Um, I've heard myself, I've heard them in staff meetings talk about how their strategy is to make sure they bring in hot women to be able to attract more guys into the room. That hurts equity. That hurts women, right? That hurts the image of women. That further that that creates further implications for women and sets women further back. So so my belief is that yes, we do need more in this space. We want more in this space because diversity also always creates collaboration, which always pushes our our people forward, right? Mm -hmm. Um it pushes more development it pushes milestones it pushes like refining processes and products but how we bring them in will be further delayed if we continue some of these things
1: yeah i I feel you i i can agree with a hundred percent of that um all you just said was was facts so um especially like i can understand the minority part too um the representation and how we're we're utilizing these in these things matter um too so it's not like you can't or it's not like you use a black person just use an urban image of that person or, or get somebody to play a part you know because that i feel like that could potentially bring us back too. you know and make us right. look a certain right. way in the space so yeah no i i 100 agree and i'm all for you know uh educated people regardless of gender stepping into these roles and actually having something uh, to contribute and like I'm sure the audience is going to get from you you are uh, embodiment of that it's so cool to listen to you talk uh, about everything and you're you're dope like you're super (laughs) duper intelligent like just like crazy charismatic and the project's going to do super well because of not only because of your charisma, but I can tell you got a drive and you got a passion for this stuff. And uh, yeah, it's going to do well. Um, last thing I want to touch on uh, in the last few minutes here, I don't want to take up all your time, but your, your partners. Um, I think I, I was listening, trying to do a little bit more research before I got you on. And I heard you mention uh, Stizzy as, as one of the partners. Um, do you want to go into kind of your, your, partners for the project? And then, uh, if you want to plug like any social medias, uh, outside of, um, what we already know, yeah, go ahead and, and plug away too.
0: Yeah, for sure. So no, Sissy is not one of our partners. Um, okay. <clears throat> yeah, we, um, we have partners in place that are helping us with, um, you know, they're established partnerships that we have in real life. I mean, we've worked with Sizzy in the past, like not True. we as in Stoned Ape Club, but we as in um myself, you know, and my and my husband and our partners in our real life business. We've consulted multiple dispensary owners we've consulted multiple, um, growers. Uh, one of our clients sits on the board of, of, of the California marijuana, whatever, whatever board. Um, you know, so that's kind of, uh, our in real life type of, um, client base. Um, <clears throat> we have not bridged those clients, um, with, uh, w- with our stone ape club project as of yet. However, those clients are clients that will be looking to purchase property to open dispensaries in the future. So essentially, Stack has become the middleman, right, of mm-hmm. Stack owns these properties that will be sold to people like Stizzy, that will be sold to people like, you know, uh, like, like Planet 13 or um, I'm just trying to think like the Circle, the Cal- uh, Culture Cannabis Club, right, all these large retail um, chains um, that are popping up dispensaries all over California what our goal is we want to be the owners of these properties that they buy from gotcha. right and so as the property might be a million dollars now but once it becomes legalized in that city guess what these people are going to be looking for properties to open their shops in right whether it's for a consumption lounge whether it's for a dispensary and so we strategically select properties and areas that we believe number one are going to be um legalizing soon it takes a lot of research listening to a lot of city meetings reading a lot of meeting notes right um really gauging what the city is talking about right and then also like being strategic right like um do you put one? Do you try to acquire a building that, like the building we acquired, is um, within 25 minutes to a major university and within 20 minutes to a major airport? That is a good wow. location. Yeah. Right. And so we're really for thinking, you know, thinking forward and being very proactive. So then that. When times come, we're not just reacting to the situation, right? We've put everything in place, everything that is a controllable, we have controlled um, to try to maximize the profit um, in this business. And we really just took—I mean, I can't take credit and say I reinvented the wheel. I really didn't. It's syndications. It's it's real estate syndicating in Web three. That's all this is. Um, it really is so much simpler than. Then, uh, then people think, <laughs> <When> we, <laughs> you know, when we talk about it, it sounds super complicated because there's all these different things, right? Like going on. Um, right. but at the same time, at the very fundamental, like at the very foundation, it's a very simple concept. It's you pool everybody's money together. Everybody, you know, then has, <clears throat> has stake in whatever this money is used for. When that money gets doubled, everyone gets double their investment back. It's really all it is.
1: Wow. Yeah, you make it sound easy for sure. I, and <laughs> yeah. listening to you, listening to you speak is like, man, I want to FOMO and more. And just so everyone uh, listening knows, I did get one uh, stoned ape yesterday. So, uh, yeah, uh, the artwork is dope. And then um, shouts out to, to Major Tom on Twitter because uh, he got me um, involved with the, the project and was telling me about it. It was like, you know, if you talk to MJ, this is what he told me. If you talk to MJ and don't believe in the project, I can't help you. And
0: <laughs> talk,
1: talking to you, I see what he's talking about. He was saying you're a genius, and and I I see what he means. I see what he means. I listen to a lot of people talking in this space uh, all day, and uh, yeah, you are top tier. Um,
0: oh. Well, thank you, yeah. and thank you, thank you, Major Tom, too. Right, like it, yeah. it. It takes a community, you know. But I think at the end of the day, it, it really comes down to, um, it really comes down to like a project success. Really comes down to two things: is the infrastructure created was it built on a firm foundation, and is there a strong community behind it? Right, living like like building out this house, right? And mm-hmm. so, um. We created a great foundation. We thought things through. Um, and I think it's also having thick skin. I, I've read, I've had so many projects, uh, people in our community who minted other projects that are like, MJ, can Stack come and save this project? Can you guys help? Like, you know, you guys know what you're doing. And 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 no, we can't save every project. That's not what our NFT project is about, right? We're here. But I get it, um, you know, we want to, that's why we created the the palace, the Aladdin project, right? And we started fundraising to help people because, you know, you could try to sell your rugged project um, on OpenSea for point oh oh one if you want, um, but you earn that in a day, you know, you earn Mm a dollar, that's like less than a dollar, right? You earn a dollar a day through, through our project. So as people come and mint, we also donate, um, from our, our fundraising wallet, we donate, um, 300,000 tope, which is about 30 to $35, right? It's nothing Mm -hmm. life-changing. It's just a little bit of something to help you get back on your feet, reinvest it into something, right? Be wise about it. Let's learn together type of thing. But, I think that having thick skin is really important because I can't tell you how many projects I have heard from where people, the founders disappeared or the dev rugged the whole project because it didn't go as planned. It didn't mint out. If you are building your entire business on the one point of minting out, you were destined to fail from the beginning. Mm -hmm. We don't have to mint out. Our project did not require a mint out to proceed. We're at almost 3000 mints. We're, we've already acquired a property. Wow. And so, and it wasn't a cheap property, you know, either it was close to a million bucks. So it's one of those things where, um, where, uh, it really, you know, as a founder, I mean, you get a lot of FUD, right. You get discouraged, you get angry people. Um, it's, it's all about taking care of your community, making sure you have a strong community, that believe in the vision, that are educated, that are knowledgeable. We spend 80% of our time teaching people in our discord. 80% of our time is taught teaching and educating. 20% is messing around, having fun, smoking weed. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, well, maybe more than 20%, but for sure, 80% <laughs> is teaching, teaching each other. Right. And so, um, and so, uh, you know, even like when we, first went to mint, right? There were so many gas failures. and um, We didn't code in a separate gas estimator. So we use Metamask's d- default gas estimator. Every three mints was at least one fail. Well, maybe every 10 was three fails. Okay. So um, we had tons and tons of mint failure. People were upset. They minted three or four, you know, at $200 gas loss, right? $80 Ooh. gas loss transactions failed gas was lost didn't mint tried multiple times right like like um and we sold out of pre-sale in under two weeks right and so the first day i think we like in the first 24 hours like 700 were minted and um we have so many gas failures and to me it was very upsetting because i was like okay well what do we need to do to fix this okay well we need to stop minting we need to stop mint we need to fix it and then we can resume minting um, the dev wrote up the code, right? And fixed it. And it was great. Well, a lot of people, number one, were then priced out. They couldn't mint. Like they originally wanted to mint two. They lost gas. They can only mint one now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was sad too because there was so much hype around it. Gas prices were high. Our smart contract is not one or two lines, right? You have to right. think our, when you mint, it's your minting, you're getting a sign, you're getting an instant reveal. It's in a staking game. We have eight actions in our code. So our gas is going to be higher because there's eight things happening in a in our smart contract um, transaction, and so we felt bad. And I, I talked to you know faded, and and I was like, hey, I think we should refund people lost gas. And he's like, what? Nobody does that. <laughs> he's like, that's co- like failed transactions is common, you know, in 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 the NFT space. Like, I'm like, yeah. I, I know, but I, I feel bad. Like, like that's bullshit. You know, like we should, like people can't, we can't just let, let people lose hundreds of, of dollars. He's like, yeah, you know, but everyone understands the risks. And he was like, it's not common. You know, we have nothing to go off of, you know, cause no one else has done that before. And I was like, well, no one else also has provided the type of utility we've provided. No one else has, right. That was your whole pitch was, Hey, let's be the first I- irl real estate utility right uh, project he's like touche good point so he's <laughs> like all right let's go ahead and refund then up until the point where it was fixed we refunded five eth in the first week of mint wow five ethereum is that's what we big. refunded to our current base of holders that experienced failed transactions and lost gas
1: wow that's big of you for sure that is... Yeah,
0: it was wild. It was wild, but we did it. And it was, at the end of the day, it was the right thing to do. To this day, yeah. I don't regret doing that. Um, because it it changes every action. You know, as project founders, I always tell people, we have so much power as a founder. And, and and you have so much influence. And if you use the platform you've been blessed with, that you've worked hard for, you are you can make the changes that you want to see in the space, right? And so, and so by doing so, we've really changed the pace. And, 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 and now people, people are looking and have a a level of expectation, right? Of like what to expect in the space. Um, I've had so many community members say, Hey, MJ, like, and they're still buying into other projects. Don't get me wrong. And it's great. I buy into tons of other projects too. Um, But they said stack really showed me like what a, a good project and community really should look like. And I use it as a barometer when I'm measuring other projects and vetting other projects.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the way to be for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I I mean, what you're, what you're doing and and what you have done is, is incredible. Um, and I recommend everyone see for themselves. So uh, you want to plug your Discord. You want to plug your socials and, and let everybody know where to find you, so they can follow you and and stay uh, in touch with the journey.
0: Yeah, of course. Yeah, we're the most active on Twitter, so we are. Our Twitter handle is Stoned Apes NFT. Um, give us a follow. Um, you know, I, I would say the best way really is to join our Discord. Um, you know, uh because and use the official links. There's a lot of scams out there, there's a lot of fakes out there. Um, only ever use the official links. Um, our Twitter handle is at stoned apes nft. Um, so you can definitely follow us there. We're, we're definitely the most active there. Um, we are on Instagram as well, stoned ape club nft. Um, but we're really the most active in discord. And um, our website is stonedapeclub.com. And if you click the mint button, that'll take you right to the minting page, which is the entire platform for the game. So you mint there, you stake there, you earn your toke there, you cash out your token there, you import it to MetaMask there. Um, everything happens on that game page. So um, we're super easy to connect with. I'm in our discord um, myself. It's like AOL chat room times one million <laughs> is what I would describe Discord as. So be prepared to have. Uh, a sh- I was very shocked. I had a very. I was very shocked when I first entered Discord. Um, it is yeah. very busy. There's a lot going on, but our community is really awesome. If you're wanting to man, like last night, we had someone who was joining us. She's a, an artist, her name's Tad and, and we at stone ape club, we were actually her first, she's, she has a collection on OpenSea. We were her first purchase. Um, you know, her, her dad had passed away. He was a software developer, um, her way of feeling connected and really working through her grief was through creating this type of, um, this type of, uh, very trippy art, honestly. Um, and she's a, you know, consumer of cannabis as well. And, and she just, we just randomly met her in spaces, like totally random. Um, and she's an artist and, you know, um, she shielded her pro she, she, um, you know, shared her project with us. And I was like, you know what, like, we should own one of her one of ones, like, we definitely should, like it very much like stoned ape club should be supporting an artist like this. And we were her first purchase, you know, we were her first supporter. Um, other stoned apes have, have purchased from her, she goes into spaces, she hustles her project, and she sold enough to mint her very first NFT with us last night.
1: Oh, and...
0: Sure. Yeah, it's just like I just had to be a part of Stoned Ape Club. I just had to be part of the Stack Fan. And I'm like, welcome. Like you deserve it. You worked hard. She made like six or seven sales. She hustled in like what two or three days. And um, and uh, you know, we we have a community that's always in our voice channel where she, you know, someone's always in there to answer questions. You can literally share your screen, someone will walk you through the steps of minting and staking and explain anything and everything to you. It really is a wholesome community that wants to help people. But it also is very much so a challenging community. Like you can't go in there and just like spread assumption, like make a some, uh, you know, assumptive statements. Because the first thing they're going to ask you is, have you even read this, right? Have hey. you looked at this? Have you done your research? Um, uh, they, they really, we really embrace um, individuals who come in with an eagerness to learn right? So asking questions is very, very welcomed. So yeah, we welcome everyone and anyone um, who's interested in uh, being a part of the community and a part of this uh, this very first uh, type of project, I guess.
1: Cool. That's awesome. So you heard it, guys. Uh, go ahead and give them a follow on, on Twitter, join the Discord, um and, and be a part of uh of this this is pretty revolutionary um i i can't say enough good uh about mj after speaking with her just a short time so it it's pretty apparent to me that this is something that i'll i'll personally wanted to be a part of in the future and continue to be a part of um and i think the same will be for a lot of the people in the nft space who uh, are looking for for something more genuine and something more uh, community-oriented. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, give them a follow and then just be on the lookout for the next podcast. Thank you, MJ, for your time today. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thank you, so thank you. Thanks so much, Marcus. It was great chatting with you. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. Did you know Hypersphere Technologies has created a patented quantum immune technology for protecting your beautiful beautiful NFT collection. With plans starting as low as $9.95 a month, you're able to future proof your security by creating shadows of your digital goods from NFTs to personal documents so they're never lost, hacked, or stolen again. Read more about the technology and get your subscription at HypersphereTech.com. Never lost, always revived.